Hi, and welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. I'm Brian, and welcome back if you're a returning listener, and welcome if you're a first-time listener. Please remember to subscribe to the channel and also visit our Facebook page and our new YouTube channel to see the video interviews uh, that we have. And this week, we've got Daniel Kudmore uh, from Twilight, X-Men. He's been in Flash, Arrow... Um, he's even been the Master Chief in Halo, the series. So enjoy this lovely episode. And as always, we are supported and sponsored by the lovely people at Prop Store. Um, so if you want a screen use prop or costume piece from your favourite movie or TV show, visit their website, propstore.com. So please sit back, relax and enjoy our interview with Daniel Cudmore. Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. They're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. On this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got a real treat. I'm a personal fan of this star. Uh, not only has he been a vampire, um, he's been a Marvel superhero, and even the Master Chief himself. Please welcome, and welcome to the show, Daniel Cudmore. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I am fine. Uh, how is everything um, where you are? Because you're born in Vancouver, but do you live there now? Yeah, well, so uh, born just outside of Vancouver in a town called Squamish, which is an hour drive up the road. Uh, I've been back and forth between Vancouver and Los Angeles pretty much majority of my career. I lived down there with my wife for almost three years. Uh, but the market just, the market is everywhere but Los Angeles. You got you to gotta go there for the, the major meetings, the, the large auditions, but ultimately you've got to be um, in the secondary markets where they actually film, and that's Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Atlanta, uh, places of like that. And it was a it was a no brainer for us. We wanted to come up here. We wanted to start a family. And the amount of work up here is uh, usually is quite quite busy. But right now, obviously, with the pandemic, things have slowed right down to a halt. Yeah, of course. And obviously, you've got a family. You've got kids. Um, so, um, are, are, are the schools not, um, I think you've got two kids. Would you, they be ho- old enough to be at school or my little girl will be four in October. Uh, oh, okay. my little, my little man's going to be a year and a half in a few days. Um, we had our little girl in, uh, in preschool, but that runs on the same curriculum as the, uh, as the regular K to K to five, K to 12 schools here. Yeah. And so that stopped because it was attached to a rec center and that's where they held it. And, and the rec centers all show, shut right down. So we've been six months all cooped up. Yeah. And now we are teachers ourselves. I've got a six year old little girl and a right. two and two and a half year old li- little girl as well. Oh, wow. So, so you know. Oh, do I know? Do you know yeah. what? I was, I was watching an interview with you at, at a Galaxy Con. And mm-hmm. you was talking about sleep and lack of sleep and um, the fact that you enjoy going to conventions because you get your seven hours of sleep. How's your sleep since 
all 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 this is going on <laughs> they're they they're not really existent i don't really sleep but you know what i chose this and uh it's funny because i think when you're when you're deep in the thick of it as you know uh, it's exhausting and you're, you're tired and you don't necessarily want to complain because uh, sometimes people just don't understand and uh, but i think in the grand scheme of things it's always just such a small blip on the radar in terms of life uh and in like everything we always look back in retrospect and go oh do you remember those days when they were little and you (laughs) you quickly forget that you never slept the whole time and just out of curiosity i always ask other parents as well how long does it take you to get out the house to go somewhere especially with your girl uh, your lad and your girl being at the age that they are how long in average does it take you to get them dressed and get out the door (laughs) Ha, depends what kind of attitude the kids have that morning. It can vary. Sometimes, you- sometimes they're good if it's if it's something that is uh, an incentive for them. If we're going something fun for them, but if it's not, it can take forever. And I can remember the days of just getting my stuff and getting out the door within seconds. But you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world because kids are gifts. And uh, they are our future. I'm not going to break into song lyrics, but uh, <laughs> they are they are our future. So you could have been wanted to. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I've had a long day. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So so let's um, talk about your career. So how's mm-hmm. auditioning going for you at the moment? Because you know, with the restrictions in place, is it a lot of uh, recorded auditions? Yeah. So um, I mean, my my auditioning process up here is 60 40 things that are sent off to to going into the room up here so i would i'm used to the the recording process but i had a i had a group of um really talented actors who who do private coachings and record stuff with me and i had a separate room where i would go and do that and that was always really nice because you can sort of really immerse yourself in the role whereas now uh I'm recording when the kids go to sleep, which is usually around eight o'clock at night. And I'm right below them in our, in our house, trying to not be too loud, but certain <laughs> scenes dictate. And I've got, you know, a ring light and my camera and it's, it's changed. It's, 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 a, it's much more of a challenge. I have staring at me right now, a 10 page audition that I need to uh, learn somehow and stuff into my brain. And then, uh, record when both kids are sleeping so it's usually late at night and uh by the time i'm done i'm but <laughs> i don't want to move no fair enough um so let's talk about the uh figure that's behind me on the screen oh that little guy uh, yeah that little guy um so x-men um mm. absolutely awesome awesome franchise really is and uh, did you ever think when growing up that you were going to be a Marvel superhero at some point? No. <laughs> I, you know, you, the funny thing about acting for me was it was something that I loved in high school, but I was also playing a large amount of uh, sports. And so I was bouncing back and forth. And it was never anything that I ever thought I was going to do. And when I ended up getting back from university and I was back in the city and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life, I didn't realize the industry was that large in Vancouver at the time. And so I started auditioning knowing how much fun I had in high school with plays and theater sports and drama class and everything I was doing. And I fortunately, but kind of unfortunately in a way, I got 
really successful quickly, but without really having the true knowledge of all the things I needed. That being said, I've, I've really dove into it. But when I landed the, the role of Colossus, I was, I mean, blown away because I watched the comics as a kid and I loved them, even though I don't want to get half of them because I have to run home for them after school. But uh, it was one of those things where it was a, it was a very st- steep learning curve. Yeah. And you started out uh, playing rugby, um, which is a great sport, which mm. as Brits we do enjoy. We have yep. that debate quite often, which one's tougher, rugby or American football? No, oh, it's rugby. I played both. I played college football. Yeah. I mean, um, I played rugby over here. I was a prop, a tight end yep. prop. And yep. um, yeah, I, I, I stopped because one of, one of the games, the, uh, the scrum went up and my head went down uh, and yep. my chest just twanged and I couldn't breathe for about 10 minutes. It scared the yep. hell out of me. Uh, yep. So I stopped. I stopped. Um, so, so what actually got you into acting then? Because, you know, from rugby, you know, did you always want to go into this uh, industry? Well, I think in high school, I was, uh, I was a bit of a class clown and, and probably a bit of a jackass to a lot of my teachers. And so they were <laughs> like, you know, get out of here. Go, go to drama class where you'll be rewarded for that behavior. And I fell in love with the just make-believe and losing yourself and having fun and, uh, and being goofy and being dramatic. And, um, and when I got back, I, I sort of thought, you know, that I was kind of lost in what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to go back for school because I'd only done two years of university. And I thought, hey, maybe I'll just do a year audition on the side, see how that goes, um, see if I can make a run of it. And then at some point, maybe I'll have some more insight into where I want to go. But I just kind of, I fell in love with the industry, even though it comes with its own massive amounts of challenges, but it's also ultimately greatly rewarding. So um, it's just, a, it's, it's weird as people see me and they assume right away that, oh, you, you know, why, did, why didn't you go be a pro athlete or something? And I'm like, well, that's a whole other story and, and a large amount of luck involved being a professional athlete. But yeah, I just, I like, I love what I do. And I think, uh, I like not waking up on a Sunday being barely able to get out of bed too. Yeah. I mean, with, with the exception of a few uh, commercials, X2 um, was your first movie. Um, you know, what was your first day on set like uh, being on your first ever mo- mo- movie and it being, you know, how big it was because obviously it was already established with the first X, X-Men movie. How right. was it like on your first day? I think obviously I was, I was excited and nervous, but I think at the same time I naive. So I think that was kind of a bonus in a way that I didn't really know what to expect. And, and uh, I think I just, I went with the old school mentality of just um, not using my mouth to talk and just listening, (laughs) just being quiet and, and just trying to observe everything and watch. You've got masters at work and, who have, you know, Emma Kellen and Patrick Stewart, Halle Berry, Hugh Jackman, oh, Famke Jensen. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, James Marsden. And, and they all have massive resumes under the belt. So I thought, hey, what's a better way than just sitting here and observing and just watching and seeing them at work and try to sort of emulate that? Um, but, yeah, at the same time, like, you know, there are things looking back with that I wish I – had the ability to say, I want to do this and I'd like to do that. But 
at that time I was like, yep, okay, sure. Whatever you guys need, like I'm there, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very low on the totem pole here and I'm, I'm ready to just have some fun. So it was quite the experience to say the least. And Colossus, um, as you know, he's built like a tank. He, you know, he is muscles on, mu- on muscles. So before taking the part, were you already in that shape or did you have to really, you know, hit the gym? I was already in pretty good shape at that time. I had just got back from college. That's where I was playing uh, American football. And so I was quite bulky and big. And, you know, I changed, I tried to change my workout as much as I could to sort of get a little bit more like the character as much as I could. But again, the the timeline between getting the role and when we started shooting was, uh, was pretty quick. So I couldn't really change the body all that much. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those tricky things where, you can lose yourself in trying to be a mirror image of the character and forget that there is a whole, there's whole layers involved in the character and the outward appearance is only just a small part of it, but it yeah. is such a polarizing part when it comes to everyone who was a fan of the comics and knowing him as that character and that size. Yeah. I mean, getting ready for the part as well. Did you have a trainer or was it a case of, you were left your own devices. A little bit of column B. Yeah. Because yeah, the thing it was, is, uh, it's yeah, depending. Sorry, I mean, I, the, no, sorry. My, the, the movie industry is funny. Like they'll, if you have, um, I'd say if you're high enough on the totem pole, if you are high enough uh, character wise, then there will be that available to you. But again, that's something you have to negotiate into your contract for me, who was more of a lower end character in terms of the amount of time, in the film and when I'm on set, it was more or less, hey, like, this is your role, so, you know, do whatever you can to bring it to life. And so it was more on me to be like, okay, then time to go to the gym. Yeah, I mean, this this, this is the thing with stars, is that you see them on screen in absolute perfect shape. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, these big stars, you know, they've got three, four months of nonstop working out. They've mm-hmm. got a dietitian. Uh, I think Chris Pratt is an example because he's very, um, you know, active on social me- media. And I know on previous parts, he's, he's, he's put a post out saying, what's my snack? And, you know, it's all macros and everything like that. So, you know, I wish uh, I could get a lead role in a big movie. And <laughs> it is. I mean, that's the tricky thing about it. Like when you when you're watching a film and you see you know, it used to be all about the women. Women had to be uh, in this crazy, you know, unrealistic image of what a woman looks like. And now it's shifted over to the men. Now we're supposed to look like uh, comic books. And, you know, okay, if you've got the right amount of time, you've got the right dietitian involved, you've got the right steps happening and you give yourself the time, your body can change. Mm-hmm. But it is a full-time job. Like you, to look the way that Hugh Jackman did, he was fasting he was eating every i think hour and a half he was working out twice a day he wasn't had he didn't have any sugar for six months and the one scene in days of future past where he's shirtless he literally did that for six months just for that one scene and he fully dehydrated himself the night before he overloaded with sugar so he was extremely vascular and his veins were popping out (laughs) and then he had to do this whole scene all day long in the heat and fight and he damn near almost passing out um so did he achieve what he wanted yeah but i mean like that's hard on your body so 
Yeah, and I suppose he got a very good paycheck um, for, sure, go, for going through all that. I mean, it's not exactly like Chris Christian Bale because he's like one one of these actors that you know, from the machinist to I mean mm. that, that guy. I mean, it's can't it can't can't be healthy for you. But it's but, not. It's no. not. I know. I know of his, of that transition he had through people that worked with him from the machinist to the Batman, and he could barely run uh, ten feet. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully you won't see the, uh, the, you know, the result of that in later life. But uh, no. so what's your fondest memory of, of, of working on the X-Men movies? I think it was probably just the scope of it. I yeah. think um, that it's a, it's a moving village. It's a, it's a moving city. It's, it's massive. And uh, I think what I think would be the fondest memory would be all of that talent and all of those big, large names who have immense careers and immense talent and everything they've done being so down to earth. And that's what really struck me. And that's what really sort of, I think I I took from those movies, uh, especially working nowadays is that there, there shouldn't be any ego in the room. There should be hard work and there should be concentration on what you're doing. Yeah, and if sometimes uh, disagreements come out of trying to make the best product, then that's fine. But there shouldn't be a my ego walks in the room first, and then I follow. Uh, and I think that's something that I I will always take with me. Um, you know, I take it from a lot of films that I've worked with. I've worked with, you know, indirectly with Will Smith, and that was another thing. Like he was, I remember working out in the gym that he had put together for a movie, and uh, and I said, hey, like you know, you want your Solo time, I'll leave. He said, no, no, man, no, do your thing. And he was so genuine with every person, joking, having a good time. And they're like, all right, we're about to roll. And it was, boom, job, let's do it, into it. And then back into who he is. And that was, you know, things of that, that you watch as a young actor, you go, okay, all right, yeah. no need to go in this. There shouldn't be anything. It should be about making the best product possible and uh, bringing all of your skills to the table. And which one was your favorite to be in? It's a tough one to answer because I mean, I think the first one has so many strong memories because of being going from relative obscurity to all of a sudden thrust into that huge film. But I really like Days of Future Past because it had more of a, I don't know, it was like a, it was like a reunion of sorts. And everybody was at a hotel together for a long period of time in Montreal. And we had more time to interact. Whereas on the first and second, I, didn't have that much time to sort of interact with some of the actors. And uh, this gave me the ability to actually sort of chat with them, get to know them a little bit better. Um, plus being in Montreal in the summertime is fantastic. And if they offered you in the future, a reprisal of Colossus uh, on screen, would you take it? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the character is fantastic. I mean, who, which actor would say no? I mean, the only reason that I didn't go for Deadpool is because of there was some, there were some things offered and, and wanting from me that were not in line with what I wanted to do. And so ultimately I knew the way it was going to end up and I knew I wouldn't be happy with that. And I knew I was only doing it for, um, for a paycheck, albeit, yeah, I'm not going to get in the details, but yeah, ultimately I would be really disappointed with what I had to do. Mm. And I sort of looked, had that, inner monologue with myself saying, you know, sometimes you have to be okay with just walking away with something and saying, Hey, I, I did a really good job in my opinion and, and had a chance to do all of those three movies and let someone else take the reins. And, um, 
it also enabled me to go watch Deadpool as a fan and be like, this thing is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, do I like what they did with the character? No, but that's yeah. not my choice. Cause that's not, that's, that's whoever's acting it and that's whoever's creating it all CG. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely prefer your portrayal um, because it's a lot more real. Do you know what I mean? I know that's strange to say because you turn metal, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, your uh, portrayal is a hell of a lot better than the Deadpool one. But um, going into stunts, because not only do you act, you're mm. doing quite a bit of stunt work, um, you know, in, in various projects. Which one do you find more fun? Do you find the acting or the stunt work? Right. They're both different in the aspect. Obviously, they're different, but they're, uh, acting, you just, I find that I can really immerse myself into the, into the emotions and, and the character, and I can, I can have fun in that world. Yeah. But in, in stunt work, it gives me that physical sort of, uh, I don't know, that it's, it reminds me of playing sports. It reminds me of all the work that goes in with rehearsal and then shooting on the day and you're working with a team. Um, and a lot of the stunt has just really come out of the fact that me being six foot six, there's not a lot of guys who can double me. And so it's easier a lot of the times for the coordinator to say, hey, you want to do your own stuff? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it until it doesn't look great and then hire someone who can make it look way better. Yeah. So, uh, it, but it's also the industry is you, you got to keep working. Like you just can't stop working and, uh, and, and I like it. So I'm kind yeah. of, I mean, the thing is the stunt, stunt world is very unappreciated. It really mm. is. I mean, I've interviewed Jack Gill, who's, uh, a legend within the stunt community community. Uh, you know, he's a stunt coordinator now mm. and he was a stunt coordinator on, uh, bad boys and fast and furious and films like right. that. But he also doubled you know, those small franchises. Yeah. Yeah. They're the tiny little films, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, um, but he was, um, the stunt coordinator on Knight Rider and he was a mm-hmm. guy that drove the car and Bo Dukes. So he's been around for years and I was chatting to him and we're chatting about how unappreciated they are and the amount of work that they, they put in that we see on screen for those moments we don't realize it's a stunt double um you know with the stunts that you've done you know have you ever got injured because obviously now you've got a family as your priorities changed in the way of putting yourself at risk doing stunts yeah absolutely i think in the past uh you know the whole thing about stunts is to be as safe as possible you know, yeah. to we want to mitigate, you know, accidents and injuries as much as possible. That's the whole point is to have performers constantly working. Uh, but at the same time, they look rough because sometimes they are. And I've had, you know, tweaks and pulls and separated shoulders and little things like that. But, you know, I've been fortunate. I've seen a lot worse. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world right now, the stunt world, because with all of these films and TV shows, they have become such a major part. And uh, in some parties, they would argue that they're extremely underappreciated and that there is still a very strong hierarchy where the actor is top of the heap along with the creative side, the directors, the cinematographers, and uh, the stunt performers are way below. And um, that's reflected in the fact that there's not as much financials for a lot of uh, performers. There's not as much help after the fact if somebody's really, really badly injured. but I hope that that's all changing. Yeah. Um, there's a, I, I, I view it, I'm not a producer, but I view it that there is enough money to go around and that everybody can have a little piece of the pie. And if you are 
putting your body on the line and you are working that much that closely and contributing that much to a film, then I think you should be rewarded for it. That's just my opinion. But yeah, there, there, there are chances where you hurt yourself. And, and you, you know, like you said, as a father, that, that changes things, you know, back in the day when I was 20 and early thirties, I'm looking at doing these ratchets where I'm flying through things and into things at, at a pretty violent speed. And I'm, I'm, gung ho for them nowadays i'm kind of saying saying do i need to you know can, you know especially if i'm doing the role as an actor can we bring someone in to do that because i don't necessarily need to do that yeah and also you get in trouble with, with the wife i presume yeah no, she's pretty good she's pretty understanding <laughs> she's she's seen it all uh, i've been pretty resilient in that world but then at the same time i'm still you know constantly seeking treatment to kind of fix my body from other injuries and so yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, it's hard on your body but it's um i don't know that, that adrenaline rush and that rewarding sort of physical acrobatic and performance in the sort of physical realm it's it's quite it's quite fun and what's the best um you know project you've worked on doing stunts ah, i think it would be my first real um crash course no pun intended uh in stunts was alien versus predator requiem right and, okay um i came on to basically they had to have an audition to find some uh acting doubles for the predators so if they had to shoot the predator in two places at once they could have someone else do some work uh and i ended up coming on board and doing an audition for it and it ended up going to another performer who was a little bit taller than I was and eventually I got a call from them saying hey like I know you mentioned you want to try and get into stunts there we have a ratchet which is basically a wire attached to you on an air-powered ram that sends you flying in the direction that the pulleys are angled and I said sounds like fun and I went and rehearsed it uh got into the suit on the day and went flying out of the sewer into this wall crashing down and uh I got the gig for the rest of the shoot, shoot. And next thing you know, I'm working for three months, learning everything you can about the stunt world and as much different stunts that would have taken years to learn. I'm getting it all nonstop and had an amazing team around me who were, who were really experienced stunt performers who were guiding me and saying, Hey, do this, try that, do this, change this. And I like, I, I still think about that and how much fun I had. So technically you was a predator. Technically, I've been a predator twice. Yes. So, without even knowing, because I've interviewed Ian White, um, who, who, who was a predator. That's who I doubled. And I've interviewed Brian A. Prince as well, yep. that was a predator on the most, most recent movie that you yep. worked, worked on as well. And yep. you were a predator as well. How also, yeah, awesome I was, was I was the mocap, um, I don't know, ultimate predator or super predator or whatever you want to call it. So I was running around in a mocap suit on uh, five foot stilts. Right. Oh, wow. And, and doing all the, a lot of the motion and creature work for that guy who ultimately was CG'd in. But, you know, all of these, like, the majority of it that was me just running around with some other, there were some other performers in town who would, who would sort of jump in for various parts of it. So there was, a, there was like, I think, three or four of us that were kind of bouncing around working on that. And other stunts, stunts that you've done, uh, which I think is going to make your son pretty proud in years to come, is Master Chief from Halo. 
Um, how cool was that to put on that suit? Because it looked absolutely amazing. The suit was beautiful. Legacy Effects down in LA built it. And it was, I remember when I went and tried it on, I, I flew down there to try it on. And at one point it was one iteration. It was all this sort of flat satin black. Yeah. It hadn't had any of the green added onto it. I thought it was the coolest because it had a Oakley uh, sort of orange tinted vir- visor on it. And it was this flat black. I'm like, I, I want this. And then they told me <laughs> the price and I was like, nah, I'm good, man. Um, yeah, that was a fun project. I, I, uh, I signed on for that, not really knowing because there was so much secrecy surrounding it. Came up and worked with a stunt coordinator who had worked with a bunch who now is a director, James Bamford, who's a super talented guy. And he, he sort of had requested me. And we just, uh, you know, for, uh, for what was ultimately sort of a promo video for the fourth game, we, they went all out and we had a blast. And uh, the 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 final product i i felt was really cool the fans i think i think the fans dug it as well yeah it was fantastic i know the fans were screaming for more and i know they're filming a new halo series uh currently uh so i think everyone's looking forward to that uh coming yeah, out i remember auditioning for it did you really oh yeah oh damn it how do you fit what do you feel fit feel like when you get a part that you really want but then you don't get i mean do you just forget about it or well the funny thing is i think it, younger i was the harder it would be to forget about it because you become so invested um in the role and the what ifs uh <clears throat> i think ultimately you only have control of creating something interesting and unique in that small window which is either taping at home or going in for an audition and and after that you don't have any control and so you just kind of have to let it go yeah. um I have my, my problem always is if I put something out that I'm really proud of and then, you know, it goes down to the wire and goes to someone else and what they did wasn't really quality. I mean, that's the nicest way to say it. Um, I get frustrated because I'm like, I know I could do this and that. I could have done that better, but that's my competitive side. And someone else didn't think so. Uh, but I also, I, I really enjoy it when I lose out to something and I, see the actor do something totally different and totally unique and, and something I didn't even think about. And I love that because I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That, that inspires me. Um, yeah. but it's still, it's hard. I had a, I had an audition for Jack Reacher, uh, over the break and, uh, the, the, the ultimate role that any tall performer or any performer in general would like to play. And it was for the lead for Jack Reacher. And I, I put something out that I was just so proud of. And then, I was right at the beginning of COVID and then halfway through they wanted more tapes. So I sent more and I was extremely proud of those. And I think it just, uh, it didn't go my way and that's totally fine. But I think for me, I think just becoming more mature in who I am, yeah. I was just proud of myself of that, that I, they see more than one tape and they wanted to see my stuff and they liked it, but not enough to go my way. And ultimately I'm like, okay, that's all I can do. Yeah. I mean, I read somewhere as well that you, audition for superman returns is that right and was that for i presume the part of superman because because you know six foot six uh christopher reeve was six foot four because he was a a tall fellow as well i could see you as superman i'm a massive superman fan and and you know even though brandon routh 
Sorry about this. Right. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, even though Brandon Routh did do a good job, he, you know, he, he was very much like Christopher Reeve. So it would have been quite refreshing right. to to see someone that didn't portray it as Christopher Reeve. Right. Um, and obviously that was done by Brian Singer as well from from X Men. Um, yeah. So let's so let's move on quickly because uh, I know sure. time time is chasing us. Um, and mo- moving on to Twilight. Mm-hmm. I think every teens and mothers' favorite movie series, and I saw uh, I saw in an interview you said that Twilight fans are a lot more aggressive than X Men fans, and mm-hmm. I, and I can see why because uh, when I mentioned that I was interviewing you, I've got a friend called Holly um, mm-hmm. that is Twilight mad. She went to all the all the premieres, stood right. there for hours in the rain. Good for and, you, Holly. Hi, Holly. <laughs> and when I said who I was interviewing, she was like, how dare he? How dare he hurt her hair on Pattinson's head? You know, right. and you know what? Good for you. Good thank for you. you. I enjoyed that Appreciate scene. I really enjoyed oh, that scene. Oh, thank you. I take it as um, such a compliment when I, get a, <laughs> when I get accosted by the fans because I'm like, oh, I know I did my job. All right. Yeah, exactly. And there was some confusion in the casting because originally you were supposed to be cast in a small park, arriving on a uh, on a bike uh, yeah. or something like that, and you turned up and and yeah. it was the part of Felix, and you didn't realize. Yeah. So the, the funny story is, I had just lost out on the eleventh hour. I had signed papers and contracts and everything for Spartacus, and I'd lost yeah. out to Manu Benet for Crixus. And I was dejected. I was just down in the dumps. And my agent said, hey, I've got an audition for Twilight. I, at the time, had no idea what it was. Um, it's just a one day or one or two day, uh, it's half a scene kind of thing, half a page of dialogue. Go in and just go for it. And I was like, you know what? All right, I'll just go have fun. Walk into the room. And uh, I look like nobody in the room. Everybody sees sort of like five foot nine quaffed sort of uh, Abercrombie Fitch models. And so I go in, audition, have fun with it, just goof around, get the casting director to laugh, leave. Uh, I get a call from my agent a couple of days later. Hey, we, they need a call back, but they only have the short window. And I was working on another show at the time. And so I had half an hour and I got there sort of with a bit of a revised uh, audition of what I want to do with that scene. And the, the cast director, oh, we're just waiting on a camera. Uh, just, okay, so here's what this vampire does. And I was like, um, huh, what vampire? I'm here for the, the guy that tries to pick up Bella outside of a bar. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we got the wrong side. So we had the impromptu sort of workshop it with the casting director and we put something on tape super quickly and I had to take off to go work on this other job. I felt bad, so I filmed it on my own time the next day and sent it back to the casting director saying, Hey, if this is any better, um, let me know. And next thing you know, I got the part and had no idea who the character was. had no idea because there was, everything was very cryptic and, and, and there wasn't even the real character name in the audition. So I had no clue. And next thing you know, I'm in four or five films. Wow. And you know what? You're set up for conventions now. I tell yeah. you what, Twilight fan, I, fans are going to go on for years. You're going to be 80 years though. old. You're going to be 80 years years old doing that yeah. scribble of an autograph. Right. <laughs> I think they oversaturated the market so bad that I don't think there's any, any conventions left. <laughs> so you play Felix, the high-ranking member of the Fultari Guard. Uh, how cool was it to play Felix? Because it was a very powerful uh character indeed 
it was a blast. There's nothing yeah. better than just playing a character who can do what he wants. Yeah. Ultimately, you can just tear anybody apart. And to walk in with that sort of power and presence and that real sort of animal side of a human. Um, yeah. That was fun. And, uh, you know, everyone has their opinions on the movies, but for me, it was a fantastic journey. Uh, we got to go film in some beautiful locations. I got to meet some really cool friends, you know, people who are now friends and going to be part of a huge franchise. Yeah. I, I'm, I sometimes <laughs> pinch myself. I'm quite a, quite a fortunate actor. And what's your, what was your favorite scene to film? Uh, you know, of all the movies that, that you, you, you were in, which one's the uh, favorite? Of the, of the yeah. Twilight movies? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was, it was filming the exterior stuff in Volterra, Italy. Yeah. Because um, we were in Montepulciano. And for me, I got to travel to Italy and work a couple days, but be there for like five or six. And I just, I fell in love with Italy and just the countryside and the people and how beautiful it was and the food and the wine. And I mean, on someone else's dime, are you kidding me? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'll have a few more, and please. When am I going to fly? When am I going to fly from Vancouver to, to Italy on first class? Like I'm, I'm not paying for that. And when you, me? and when you was fil- filming, um, you know, did you get any crowds coming up to you, or was it very secret? Because I know a lot of productions no. they use a different name for shoot- shooting. Was it nuts? It was nutty. Oh yeah, it was crazy. But again, like we, this was the second film, so no one really knew who anybody was of the new actors, and so they were kind of like looking and. For some reason, as tall as I am, I seem to sulk into a crowd quite easily and, and people don't really notice me all that much. They just think, oh, that guy must be some athlete or an ex-basketball player or something. So I was able to kind of slink around and not necessarily get mobbed by, by some of the, you know, some of the other actors were like basically locked into hotels and stuff like that. So I got to yeah. have fun. And would you change anything about the way that you played Felix at all? No, not really. I think you just got to, you know, at the time, these are the choices I made and just go for it. And I was pretty happy with it. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, would I have wanted to maybe have uh, more consistent hair throughout the whole movies? Yeah, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just nitpicking. And who was the, uh, who was the most fun on set? Who, who, who did you get on with the best? Uh, Charlie Bewley, who plays Dimitri. We, we kind of ended up being two peas in a pod. Yeah, um, just goofing around a lot and just having a blast because we both came on at the same time. Yeah, and uh, still remain friends. Um, I think it was hard for a lot of the leads because of the fandom. They yeah. couldn't have as much fun as you know some of us that have come on for you know the second or third film. Um, and for me, I'm not the, you know, that was a perfect opportunity. If you wanted to be an actor who really used that sort of popularity for your, for yourself and, and to sort of achieve larger fan followings, whether it's on social media or get other jobs because of that fan following, it was a really good opportunity. And that's never been my MO. I don't, I don't really want, you know, as, as much as that I know that, popularity on social media can give you jobs and give you leverage. Um, It also gets rid of your privacy. And that's kind of a thing I've struggled with my whole time. So for me, it was kind of nice to kind of slide around and not, you know, throw myself out there and take photos of myself. And this is where I'm in my location. So 
fans come running. So. <laughs> come find me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the uh, what's what's the scariest thing that you've seen from fans? I mean, obviously, yeah, I presume you got a lot of grief from the fans, as you said earlier. But what did that look like? Was that letters? Was that, you know, messages no, on social media? Yeah, social media, face-to-face kind of things. But it was all in good fun. I mean, everybody knows. <laughs> good. Yeah, I mean, good. I'm also like, I'm, like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't think many um, five foot four women are going to come and yell at a six foot six man that, You'll you know, be surprised. Really you yeah, will be yeah, surprised, true. you know. Um, yeah, and and then obviously we go on to conventions. Um, you know, have you got any any virtual comic cons planned? Because I know a lot of stars, so I interviewed Jewel State from Firefly, another right. Canadian, proud Canadian. And yep. um she's doing a lot of virtual com- com- comic cons because obviously they're not happening. So have you got yeah. any planned at all? Uh not any virtual right now. I've got a Comic Con in Timmins, Ontario, but that's for next year. Um, yeah. ultimately majority of them were, were all physical, uh, appearances and then they went away and were planned for different times. Um, but nothing, no, nothing on the virtual world. And what do you like about doing conventions? Do you, do, do you like doing them? I do. Cause yeah. I think that's my, that's for me, that's the best way for me to control, um, fans and, and sort of get to know them. Cause I think you can, everyone can see, you from past work and sort of have their idea of who you are. And I'm a bit of a chatterbox and I don't mind chatting with people. And so uh, it gives people who, who normally weren't a fan or didn't even know who I was or uh, didn't associate me with characters I've played and they get a chance to kind of get to know who I am. And I get to go to some cool places and mm. you know, it, it's a, it's a win-win. And, and the same time like we talked about earlier, I get to get seven hours of sleep. So like, it is exactly like me when i go away for work it's like every every, everyone wants to stay stay in the bar and have a few pints oh i'm I'm not i'm done i'm like no i'm going i'm going to bed i'm literally gonna get a full night's sleep Um, after that everyone's like hey we're gonna have a beer and i'm like i'm gonna go have a advil night and i'm gonna pass out and get eight hours of sleep so you guys have fun drinking (laughs) and what and Another thing I, wa- I wanted to ask, because I spoke to Jewel State about this, because obviously she's been in Firefly that was uh, directed by uh, Josh Whedon. Mm-hmm. And the thing I don't like about the media is that they can stir a lot of stuff up. Uh, they really can. You know, as Denzel Wash- Washington always says, if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. Uh, no, you're, yeah, you're, if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. If you read the news, you're misinformed. Because yeah. they do really circle that 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 news around and obviously the news about josh whedon and his behavior on set brian singer is also getting it in in the neck by brandon routh and other people i mean what was your experience with brian singer you know did did you see anything like that or is it a case of you know they're just very you know good directors that know what they want the thing is the hard thing about it is personally never anything yeah. But I can't speak on what personally happened to other actors. Yeah, of course. Um, I heard rumors, but was I ever in the room or seeing them in person? No. So I can't say that they're correct or incorrect because yeah. then that's a false statement. Uh, for me, totally fine. There was yeah. never anything. Um, I don't take shit from people. And, and so that's the way it is. Uh, but it was just a prof- professional atmosphere. Did I hear about certain things? Yes. But again, like I said, I can't comment on it. It's, it's such a tricky thing nowadays with uh, just the way the media is wanting to stir up 
stories as quick as possible. I mean, we're in that sort of digital age where everything has to be new and new and new and, and kids are so hooked into that YouTube. Okay. There was 30 seconds. I'm not interested. Move on, move on. And you know, it's, it's a really, really tricky and we could go on for hours about the yeah. state of, um, you know, social interactions and, and respect to genders and people of color and, it's 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 really really hard it's it's hard to talk about it's hard to kind of state whether or not someone did something wrong or did something right or what yeah. without actually being there and so you know you can't discount somebody who said this is the truth and this is what happened to me um but again if i have, didn't see anything personally then i can't comment on it Complete, yeah, completely understand. And before mm. we um, wrap up the interview, uh, we've got a, a new show coming out in October. So mm. for all the American lis- listeners and viewers uh, on Hulu, uh, we've got Marvel's Hellstrom, which mm-hmm. looks absolutely amazing. Um, that project. that amazing that Marvel's actually taken their logo off um, anything to do with it because apparently it's a bit dark. So what's the show about? In your own words, um, it, you have to be kind of cryptic about it. They're so secret about it. Uh, it's it follows the story of Anna and um, Damon Hellstrom, and it uh, it's inspired from the Hellstrom comic books, uh, the Son and Daughter of Satan. In, in this iteration, I, I I can't comment on where they come from and who their dad is, but okay. he, I, he's not a nice person. Um, and I play a character named Nurse Spivey who starts out as one thing and ends up being something else. Uh, and that's really about as far as I can go, but <laughs> visually it's absolutely beautiful. The writing is fantastic. And yeah. I had an absolute blast being part of it. Um, there's some interesting things going on with Marvel and their television division. I don't, I don't know what is yeah. happening. I, I can't even speak on it because uh, I'm not really privy to it. But um, as far as a, as a new TV series, I'm I'm pumped about this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's about time they bring out shows like that because Marvel's got so many characters in their bag, and uh, you know, I was expecting uh, Blade to come out because mm-hmm. I absolutely think that 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 series of films, oh. even do you know what? Even Blade Blade's like one of my all-time favorite. Oh, it's scene, fa- that's fantastic. The scene in the beginning of the first Blade when they go into the rave and then in the blood starts. Oh, yeah. I'm the dancing. Like, the, yeah. I, I was, I, and I thought Wesley Snipes was unbelievable yeah. as Blade. And I've always wanted them. And Mahershala Ali, who is penned for Blade, correct? I, um, I, th- I, th- I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah because was he the one that did it for character. Spike? Because there was a channel called Spike that did a Blade series, didn't didn't they a few years ago yeah no it, and that it was didn't another, go that well no yeah. if it's Mahersh, i'm pretty sure it's mahersha ali uh who is playing blade yeah and he is a top-notch actor so i have a lot of faith i, I just can't wait i've always i wanted to audition for blade when it was shooting up here years ago yeah but i think i wasn't allowed oh what why is that I because of contracts or might have been contracts, might have been the fact that I, I'm quite a bit taller than a lot of the leads. Oh. But Oh, no, it's an awesome film. Even Blade yeah. Trinity that mm-hmm. everyone puts puts down with Ryan, Ryan yeah. Reynolds and Jessica Biel. I actually think it's awesome, to be fair. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so Hel- Hellstrom is out in October. I know you can't say obviously a lot about it because you don't want to spoil it. Oh, and no. I'm sure there's loads of NDAs there to say mm-hmm. you can and can't do. Yeah, I, I, I bet. And obviously, yeah. di- and, and Dis- Disney is a superpower, so yeah. I wouldn't cross them. Uh, but no. that's October, and hopefully it will come over into the uh, UK and Europe um, shortly after. Fingers crossed, because uh, I really want to watch it. But it Daniel, what's fun. what's what what's next for you then? Before we say goodbye, what's next? We really, I mean, because of this whole thing, I'm in a holding pattern. I'm just the industry's just starting to kick off, and I'm just starting to audition again. Yeah. Um. So who knows? But yeah, just excited for Hellstrom to come out and and kind of getting excited for getting back into the auditioning room and getting back to doing what I love to do. So, uh, you know, as soon as I know, then everyone else will know. And you can have plenty of fam- family time and uh, well, that's, that's binge been the, watch that's Paw been... Patrols. Um, <laughs> because literally in our house, it's nothing but uh, CBBS, which is a channel over in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just cartoons after cartoons. And I just can't can't wait for them to go to sleep, so then I can have my tiny little bit yeah. uh, of, of TV. But Daniel, yeah. thank you so much. Look after yourself and your family, Me too. and I look forward to everything that you do in the future. And thank I'll you. be shouting about Hellstrom as soon as it gets a release date. Perfect, Brian. I appreciate the time. All right. And all the best to you and your family. Stay healthy and stay thank safe you. out there. You too, mate. You too. been listening to be more super the podcast it was kind of a crazy fun experience i love the show guys you're awesome listen my whole family loves it man if you enjoyed this episode be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends my word